Hello and welcome to another episode of Disconnected. I'm your host, Jag Sharma. Today, we are talking about secret formulas running in the background that can form as scoring systems on us. Algorithms are everywhere. I was watching a movie last week. It's quite a recent one. It's called Free Guy. It's a comedy starring Ryan Reynolds. Spoiler alert. In Free Guy, Ryan plays a guy called Guy, and he lives in a place called Free City. Turns out that Guy isn't a real guy at all, and Free City isn't a real city. Guy is an NPC, a non-playable character in an RPG, a role-playing game. However, the code used to make Guy has an adaptive algorithm to allow for machine learning, and Guy becomes much more than an NPC, and ends up falling in love with a particular other character, whilst fighting to save the future of the other NPCs. It's a fun movie, it's not serious. If you like fun movies that aren't serious, then I recommend it. The point is that Guy's behaviour and choices were not by chance. Guy's algorithm was coded based on a particular set of data points which impacted how the algorithm learned, which impacted Guy's behaviour. Guy fell in love with a particular character because the data that went into his algorithm gave him a propensity to fall in love with that particular character. Anyway, algorithms are everywhere in movies these days. They've become mainstream. And they've become mainstream because they really are everywhere in our daily lives. They impact us more than we probably think they do. If the algorithm likes you, you get through to the job interview. You get approved for that loan. You pay less for insurance. You'll be less likely to get a heavy sentence if arrested. You'll be treated more favorably on dating apps. Your social media apps will show your content to more people. You'll be more likely to be promoted, and so on. We are being scored with secret formulas that we don't understand. And there's usually no course for appeal if things don't go our way. If the computer says no to your mortgage application, if the computer says no to shortlisting your CV, if the computer says you don't deserve as high a credit limit as your neighbor, who can you complain to? And if you do complain, the person on the other end can hide behind the maths and data and science of the mysterious algorithms that must be right. What if these algorithms are wrong? But how can it be? Nothing is smarter than an algorithm. It's made with maths and data. Nothing with maths and data can be wrong, right? It just doesn't make sense that algorithms can be wrong, as algorithms gorge on data about us every second. What kind of links do you click on? What videos do you watch? And which ones do you watch all the way through? How quickly are you moving from one thing to the next? Where are you when you do these things? Who are you connecting with in person and online? What facial expressions do you make? How does your skin tone change in different situations? What were you doing just before you decided to buy something or not? To vote or not? 
All these measurements, plus others, have been matched up and measured across everyone using these platforms. Mass spying. Algorithms correlate what you do with what almost everyone else has done. The algorithms don't really understand you, but there's power in numbers, especially in large numbers. If a lot of other people who like the same music as you are put off by seeing a certain political candidate in a social media post standing still rather than walking through an impressive building, then you probably will be too. And no one needs to understand why. But should we know why? We think of these algorithms as big, mysterious, self-aware, ever-learning intangibles who will take over the world one day. And we glorify algorithms and think that anything that uses an algorithm is super smart and must not be questioned. Kathy O'Neill, author of Weapons of Math Destruction, has a great definition for algorithms, which I love. Predictive algorithms are a scoring system on humans. Predictive algorithms predict success. What is success? Success is a specific event. Are you going to pay back this loan? Are you going to claim on your car insurance? Are you going to get sick? So how much should we charge for your health insurance? Are you going to do a good job at this job? Should we hire you? Are you going to get rearrested after leaving prison? It's a scoring system on humans. If your score is above 77, you get the job. Or you get cheaper health insurance. Or you get early release from prison. And these predictive algorithms are trained on historical data. So you train your algorithm on 20 or 30 years of historical data, the land before the time of algorithms. You feed the algorithm the data, and it looks for statistical patterns, initial conditions that later led to success. People like you got employed. People like you got raises. People like you got promoted in this company. So, the algorithm is going to recommend to hire you as according to the historical data, people like you do well in this company. Things that happened in the past are predicting and shaping how things should be in the future. To build a predictive algorithm, you just need two things. Past data and a definition of success for the algorithm to use the past data to decide what good looks like going forwards. So from this, we know that algorithms are opinions embedded in code, because one person decides what the definition of success is. If I build a healthy breakfast algorithm and decide that success looks like if someone consumes fruit as part of their daily breakfast, then if I'm adding in data from the past 30 years, anyone from a low-income household in a certain postal code area, or whose family originates from a poorer country, is at a distinct disadvantage for passing my algorithm on their predicted future behavior, based on behaviors from other people who the algorithm says is like them from data taken 30 or so years ago. It's important for us to recognize 
that society and media today generally has us believe that algorithms are objective and true and scientific. And then it's important for us to understand that this really isn't the case. A lot can go wrong when we put blind faith in big data. We shouldn't feel intimidated by algorithms because we trust and fear mathematics. It might be difficult to get our head around it. The idea that machines have carried the biases of human culture from the past and use it when assessing humans. But the examples are many. Some seem harmless, but some far less so. If you go to YouTube and type in Soap Dispenser Black Hand, you'll find a few videos showing automatic soap dispensers in hotels and even one in a Facebook office recognizing lighter skin shades and dispensing soap, but not recognizing darker skin shades and not dispensing soap. If you upload a large photo to Twitter that needs to be cropped in the tweet, Twitter uses an algorithm that automatically crops the photo to what it believes is the most relevant part of the picture. In 2020, an experiment was done where two pictures of Barack Obama and Senator Mitch McConnell were uploaded. The same pictures with them together, in both. But their positions swapped around. The algorithm always cropped to show just Mitch McConnell's face in the tweet. Just search Barack Obama, Mitch McConnell Twitter picture on Google Images to see the test. And this isn't a new thing. Biases in code, biases in algorithms, have been there from the beginning. From 2009 to present day, we see many stories of darker faces not being recognized in facial tracking technology compared to lighter faces. According to Safia Noble, the author of Algorithms Oppression, in 2010, if you typed in black girls on a Google search, over 80% of what you found was porn sites. In 2015, Google had to apologize for its photo app, which labeled a black couple as gorillas rather than as people. In 2016, Microsoft shut down its artificial intelligence Twitter bot, Tay. After from absorbing what it was seeing on the platform, it evolved into a reflection of what it was seeing and started putting out tweets that much of the press described as racist rants. Some of those tweets were really vile. In 2017, FaceApp, the app that beautifies you and gives you a makeover, would make your skin tone lighter and reduce the width of your nose, which are very European-centric views on what beauty is. In 2018, research was done into how recognisable different people's faces are by AI. Black women's faces were the least recognisable by algorithms and artificial intelligence. In 2019, work was done into reviewing how favourably the algorithms on different swipe left, swipe right dating apps were towards different types of people. Black women and Asian men fared least favourably with the algorithms, with their accounts much more likely to be shown to less prospective matches, meaning that the system has already decided 
that they're not as worthy as others on the platform. In 2020, GPT-3, the language model that uses deep learning to produce human-like text, couldn't write anything more about Islam or Muslim people without giving a connection to terrorism in the same sentence. And the examples go on. Coming back to that Twitter photocropping example, that type of determination is through saliency. The algorithm deciding what in the photo is more salient, more striking, more prominent, more relevant. In a lot of these saliency photo scanning algorithms, photos from the past 20 years have usually been uploaded to teach the algorithm. What you put in is what you get out. So if you take a random 1,000 photos of humans from around the web and feed them into a saliency algorithm, then you're probably going to get it skewed in favor of the majority. When someone collects data for an algorithm training data set, they can be motivated by things we humans are often motivated by, convenience and cost, and end up with data that lacks diversity. But it's not just about a lack of diversity in the chosen data. Sometimes human subjectivity is embedded right into the data itself. Take crime data, for example. We don't have an objective measure of crime. The police have historically chosen to patrol certain neighborhoods over others. And also the courts and judges have sentenced different people very differently. So if an algorithm is choosing whether to allow someone out of jail early on parole and looks at historical data of re-arrests, certain people are going to have fared less well at getting a fair shot at a second chance. Health-related algorithms have also unfortunately fallen victim to human subjectivity. Whether a health algorithm is designed to look at where funding is needed or at what stage different types of people are likely to need higher level of care, the same saddening results come. Given that black and minority households are traditionally given less access to healthcare in Western countries like the US and UK, this means that minority households end up going to the doctor less and getting serious illnesses diagnosed late or not treated at all. So an algorithm using 30 plus years of data to assess who needs care or which illnesses deserve more funding, it's only going to go one way. We have algorithms prioritizing healthcare for healthier privileged patients over less healthy, less privileged patients. And of course, human subjectivity in building algorithms has hindered progress in the workplace too. If the data fed in looks at past successful hires, then predicting future successful hires is going to skew one way. And of course, this doesn't just affect minorities. Women suffer too. Amazon used an algorithm to sort through CVs to decide who was going to be interviewed. The algorithm had to be abandoned quickly as it was found to reject all CVs from women. The reason was because of the human subjectivity in the data fed into the model. 
the historical data of who was more likely to be successful at Amazon, who was more likely to be promoted, get a good review, climb the ladder. There's this brilliant quote from the author and Princeton University professor, Ruha Benjamin, who's written about bias in code. Robots are not sentient beings, sure, but racism flourishes well beyond hate-filled hearts. No malice needed, no N-word required, just lack of concern for how the past shapes the present. Beyond this great quote, I also want you to consider the challenges that both women and disabled people face as a result of algorithmic bias because of the human subjectivity in the data fed into training these algorithms. These machines replicate the world that exists. They are not making decisions that are ethical. They are only making decisions that are mathematical. And if we continue down this path, we are not going to make societal progress. History will have a permanent stamp on the future in the form of algorithms and AI. Progress can be rolled back under the phony guise of machine neutrality. Data scientists should not be the arbiters of truth. They should be translators of ethical discussions in larger society. And for the rest of us, this is not a maths exam. This is a fight for the future of how our tech-driven world will be shaped. We need to demand accountability from the companies, from the governments, from the entities that use algorithms to assess us. If Twitter uses a third-party photo cropping algorithm, it's on Twitter to keep that cropping tool fair and in line with our expectations of a fair society. If your country's health service is automating decisions about whether you deserve to be cared for or not, there should be no hiding behind the maths. They need to be accountable and make the effort to understand what the algorithm is doing. And if you are lucky enough to be involved in some kind of project using AI and algorithms, then don't shy away from the maths and feel bold enough to ask the questions. Developers are great at telling us who the program works for, but they can often be tripped over if you ask them who the program fails. The era of blind faith in big data must come to an end if we want our values in society and culture to progress. Thank you for listening. Be safe out there with those algorithms. And I'll see you on the next episode of Disconnected. Disconnected.